0: Hi, and welcome to Talk Word. I'm Marty Dundix, editor in chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine, and this is Talk Word, a fun little podcast where professionally p- funny people come and tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. And I'm super excited for today's guest um, because I've never met her in person, yet we've communicated on the online world of comedy and Twitter and email for like over two years at least. Yeah. And um, you're in my office, you're here in the studio, you're here at Weekly Humorist. We
1: did it. I feel like we really did it.
0: I know, it's Brooke Preston, everybody. Hilarious Woo-hoo! comedy writer, extraordinaire, new author yeah. of uh, brand new. a brand new book called New Erotica for Feminists, Satirical Fantasies of Love, Lust, and Equal Pay, uh, co-written by Caitlin Conkle, Fiona Taylor, Carrie Whitmer, and Brooke Preston, who's right here. I'm, Welcome I'm to that, Talkward. that's me. I know, your name. I did it. It's in bright neon letters.
1: That was, that was not our first cover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's we're going to talk all about um, writing a book for the first time, the process of writing a book, and just you as a comedy writer, and you are from Ohio?
1: I am. So you're I'm in... Born and raised.
0: Big New York City?
1: Yeah. Well, I lived in New York City after college for like two years. Okay. Uh, and I did the starving artist thing. Yeah. I thought... I knew I wanted to be in New York, and I knew I wanted to be... Um, like, sort of near entertainment at at large, yeah. but I didn't have, like, a specific idea of what that was, because growing up in Ohio, you're just like, so if I want to be on SNL, like, does Lauren just call you, (laughs) like, at some point? Like, "Like, how does that work? At least
0: I know I'm not supposed to be in Ohio to make this happen. Yeah, like, I had the
1: general idea of, like, I think I'm supposed to be here to make this happen. Right. Um, And it turns out that is not how it works, Um, sadly. I was here for two years, and... Did not call.
0: (laughs) So you were in New York for two years after college? Yeah. And where did you go to college?
1: Ohio University. Ohio University.
0: University. Mm -hmm.
1: Not to be confused with Ohio State University.
0: Or as the football players call it, the Ohio Ohio
1: State State University. University. Uh, Which I now live in Columbus, and we are very much Ohio State football fans. Yeah. But yeah, Ohio University in Athens, which is sort of like this lovely little... It's like an enclave of southeastern Ohio that's like surrounded by like Appalachia Light, Mm -hmm. but it is like this leftover hippie town from the 60s that never really decided to move past that
0: to not be in the sixties. Yeah,
1: and it's kinda great. So it's That like, sounds
0: like a like a like a wonderland. It
1: is a wonderland and it's a lovely place to go back to. It's a really special place. And if you see on like an electoral map,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's like a place that's very deeply confusing to Wolf Blitzer <laughs> and Peter or like uh, Does it
0: just go either way? No, anytime? it's very blue, but they oh, don't know blue. why. Like okay. so they're
1: like, oh um here's Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati and those are the blue areas in Ohio and what's this little guy? And we're always like Athens
0: <laughs> like <laughs> They're like what's in the there? yeah they're like
1: that's strange like what an anomaly and we're like no that's Athens
0: and you were you were in New York City for two years two years so you went from from school mm-hmm. you came to New York to be uh, a comedy star
1: I came to be something I okay. don't know I mean I've been a lifelong comedy nerd so but I don't again I just wasn't quite sure how to translate that like like when- comedy
0: nerd uh, to me is scTV reruns yeah that kind of comedy yeah. or like Deep, old school, deeply, like Eugene like Levy, every, John Candy.
1: Well, like I would sneak down when Conan Late Night with Conan O'Brien first became a mm-hmm. thing. I was in, I think, junior high, sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. And then I would sneak down to the basement after my parents would go to sleep to watch that because of the sketches and the, you know, I liked the guests and things too, but I really liked the...
0: Masturbating bear. Yeah, all of it. Classy stuff.
1: Real highbrow stuff. <laughs> Real highbrow stuff. Um, yeah, so... I loved all of that. I loved SNL. I still love SNL. I think it kind of gets a bad rap, but um, people
0: are always mean to SNL. And it's they
1: still a cool thing to say that it used at, to be better than it is. Which but, sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not true.
0: But that's always true for anything, you know. You, yeah. If you you could find uh, news reports in the eighties criticizing SNL in the eighties that it's not as good as the seventies, right. you know, and then in the nineties it wasn't as good as the eighties.
1: Well, also I think they're intentionally trying to. There's an intentional thing where they're trying to do some highbrow things some absurdist things some really broad or topical things yeah. and they want there to be something for everyone in one episode right. and so if someone turns it on as like not their thing they just assume it's all not their thing yeah like it's- so there's definitely pieces in each episode where i'm kind of like that didn't work for me yeah Not because, you know, in my position of power, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, that didn't work for me. But um, you know, I go pieces and I hit, that I hit this
0: <laughs> red button that that's I have right. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, right. hey, Lauren, this sucks. Uh, yeah,
1: I send strongly worded letters. Um, and <laughs> maybe that's why he doesn't call. That would
0: be fun if that actually still exists um, with the old Nielsen rating system used to be like a button yes. that was attached to your television. We, and you'd be like, no. <laughs>
1: when I lived in New York, we were in Nielsen like family. Yeah. My roommate and I got asked to do it because you get paid i don't know some paltry amount it's like to do five dollars yeah oh it's little it's a little amount but we were like yes please money so we um we lived in a studio apartment in the upper east Side. first we lived in roosevelt island before it was cool and so we were Isn't just... roosevelt
0: island like a psychiatric an ex-psychiatric hospital ward
1: yes yeah but it, when it we was lived like... there i think it was a current psychiatric yeah. ward. oh really well, like, well it was like two long-term care hospitals yeah. where people that didn't really know what to do with their loved ones that were in that camp Mm -hmm. um would just sort of leave them and so it was like we went in being nice midwesterners with the the nicest of intentions like being like we're gonna just be the people that are just like hi neighbor like we love you no matter what and then after about like your third trip to gristides the one gristides on the island which is like the saddest gristides where you go and you're like just trying to get your soup and you're like ten dollars of groceries because you're poor and like we went and everyone is not only you know in a adaptive state where they're either in a wheelchair or something like that. But it would be like, you know, I'm on a a bed with like a mirror and some more serious things happening, which you would think like, oh, that's horrible. And you have all the compassion in the world for them. But then when that's every... One that you interact with yeah. on the island, after a while, you're like, well, this is horrible. It's an and interesting I'm now place
0: c- for, uh, a place for a new New Yorker to be experiencing New York. Exactly. I, oh, I Rosamount was totally island. like the girl off the bus that's like, yeah. I have
1: big dreams. And yeah. then everyone's like, oh, honey, no. It all
0: depends on where you first start, I think, in New York, because I came here, I went to Syracuse, and I came here, and I just happened to luck into like Park Slope, oh. which is a lovely neighborhood. Lovely. Right? I'm
1: staying there with Caitlin.
0: You're down the street from me. I, I, I live right down the street from I her. I know.
1: That's wonderful. Ah. Yeah, it's it's a very um, iconic, like to me, when you think of New like York Brownstone, and Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, 100%. It's
0: like uh, how people uh, lovingly used to think of the Cosby show. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like yes. creepy. I
1: started to say that, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't <laughs> want to bring Cosby into this. It's going to really wreck the moon. Uh, but well. yeah, that's 100%. It's like idyllic yeah. when Cosby Stoops. was good. Yep, mm-hmm. Sto- stoops. A lot of stoops. A lot of stoops, and so that so, was lovely. So but... you came
0: to New York. You you tried to be in comedy, and what did you do in New York in that time to to be into comedy? Did you do the uh, like the UCB? So did that's you kind of my pit? greatest
1: regret. I could, okay. like I didn't really have the money at the time, or I, and you know when you're working those um, non professional jobs and you're just starting out, you have such a varied schedule. Like you kind of have to be there when they say to be mm-hmm. there, and you get your schedule like the day before, and it's always shifting. So that wasn't so much an option for me although i wish i would have just been like i'll clean toilets like i'll make it happen you know and so that's kind of a regret for me that i i should have started this so much sooner because i knew it was something that needed to be like part of my life yeah but i think in my mind at 23 i was like i'll always be here i'll obviously always live in new york i'll just have lots of chances to do this so it will be fine i have plenty of time and then um so i worked at planet hollywood in times square as the door host the person with the megaphone
0: oh wow (laughs) across
1: from the naked cowboy he's he's Yeah. cool um he makes a ton of money by he the does. way he yeah. goes to the bank like four or five times a day to deposit all of his like boot cash a lot of boot cash a lot of boot cash um but he was chill um but yeah so my job was to scream into a megaphone mm-hmm. the same spiel day and night for plant. i had to audition at for that,
0: that at that planet hollywood if i'm if i'm not mistaken is the life size naked sly stallone statue I don't think from... like it was there at
1: the time, okay. but it probably is now. Um, but yeah, it was at the time. It was no, like, it's
0: not. I'm sorry. It's a lifetime. It's the naked uh, 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator. That's, that's what it is. That's 100% right. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, and then I eventually get to move inside to be a hostess, and it, there's a car from like a Sylvester Stallone movie like Hang suspended yeah. over you at all times, so you're just <laughs> like, at risk of death for $10 an hour, <laughs> which is amazing. Did but you was... pop
0: by the Planet Hollywood since you've been in town? I have
1: not i don't think i i think i'm persona non grata from there i uh was fired (sighs) from planet i was the only job i'm ever fired from
0: what was what did you do at planet hollywood to get canned from planet (laughs) hollywood
1: i was late twice
0: Oh, that doesn't seem like fun at all. No,
1: and once was during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It would have
0: been something. Try like,
1: getting there on like time like during I, I the Macy's stole Thanksgiving a, I Day
0: stole part. a proton pack from the wall. Oh,
1: God. I wish I would have gone out differently. Yeah. I'm like, I'm taking these in sync outfits, Ex- and you can't <laughs> stop me. I'm going to wear Chris Kirkpatrick's green suit, and I'm going to wear it out and screw all of you. Um, yeah, it was, like, it was an interesting place. And the same thing played on a loop every 45 minutes. Yeah. So that'll make you nuts. Yeah,
0: definitely. I used to I used to work at Letterman and I would be giving out free tickets to tourists mm-hmm. and I would hang out in that Times Square area mm-hmm. also right by the Naked Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I used to call it my corner office because I'd be standing on the street corner.
1: Yes, of course. Uh,
0: and I was making it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt very I was like this. Is Even so though I sad. worked at, I, so the fact that I had to audition made me feel legit. Like I was like I had to audition for this. <laughs> so I'm in the business pretty much in in it. And yeah, in the business. And like, I can see the naked cowboy and he's been on TV. So that's, I'm pretty much there. And that is the job. The only salvageable piece of that, other than some good friends that I still have from that time in my life where we were like starving artists together, is that I did meet Justin Timberlake at that job. Did you? And I got to take him to the bathroom. I'm like, not inside. But I got to take him to the door (laughs) of the restroom uh, very unexpectedly. And this is 2003. Yeah. So I mean, that's like at the height. Mm-hmm. This is like the height of my JT. I was single. Was ready for it.
0: Anything was possible.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> all doors were open. <laughs> and uh in my planet Hollywood like baseball tee and and uh you know like orthopedic safety shoes. Yeah. yeah. And so I got to be in a lo- alone in a room with Justin Timberlake for 2 minutes cuz they we That's went awesome. to the private like banquet area so no one would what? bother him. Wow. He was lovely. He smelled nice. He was tall. My bad. At the time it was like I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. And nothing will ever top that.
0: <laughs> you still tuck that away, though. I
1: mean, it is what it is. You know, yeah. it was good. Yeah. It was like good for the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the, right, it was the right celebrity experience for the right moment. Yes. It's not the right celebrity experience for 2018. Right. But it was the right one for but 2003 it's... when I was 23.
0: Hey, it's better than if it was like Robert Duvall.
1: Well, the first person I met when I moved to New York I got New to York take City, Robert Duvall
0: to the men's room. I I mean, that's
1: kind of an amazing story. <laughs> I kind of wish that was the case. Like, I wish that would have been true. The first person I met in New York at all, my friend and I from college, we moved here. We put our stuff down, and we're like, let's go find jobs. We take our little resumes, and we're like ready to go. We're walking in Times Square, and I see this guy, and I'm like he's really tall. Like he looks like someone, oh, that's John Mayer. (laughs) And so, and because I am who I am and my friend was at, again, it's 2003. So Mm -hmm. like, let's give context to this story. So my friend, um, who was very into him at that time, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the friend. Like I'm going to be the wingman that does this. So I'm like, excuse me. Hi, are you John Mayer? And he's like, I am. So we like sat and chatted with him in Times Square or like just off of it for like 15 minutes. He was lovely. That's awesome. He flirted with my friend. It was great. That's and at delightful. the time it seemed very non problematic and fine.
0: I, I mean, I guess maybe I'm stuck in a time a time where because I'm old and, and I, I think I stopped remembering or caring about celebrity out of around two thousand seven. Yeah. Like no. things stopped registering for that. Right. Them. So people will tell stories of like, you know, put it in context. I'm like, that is the only context that's, I know. <laughs> that's,
1: it, that's it. But like, it was like, the you want to meet the right celebrity at yeah. the time they're peaking. That's true. They, yeah, these so are like, all So like, that the was top. like a good time yeah. to meet him. And he was lovely. Yeah. But yeah. And so that was like such a good, like for us, we're like, this is going to be New York for us. It's going to be like this Every all day. the time. Every day. And you stayed be, for two years. I stayed for two years. I worked. Um, so I worked that job. I worked a lot of internships. I worked like one or two day internships that were very exciting for like MTV. I was like I worked for MTV made sometimes as an intern, nice. like a casting intern, yeah. but not for a long, you know, they would they'd would just be like come down for a day or yeah. come down for two days. And then um I got paid $40 once to stand outside of TRL um with a poster for mm-hmm. someone I had no idea who they were and be like, "Woo!" So that was a good day. Yeah. So it's real high-end. That was a hugely popular show High-end right entertainment. Yeah. High-end entertainment stuff. Uh, and then uh, I worked at a political nonprofit that was eventually dissolved into Move On Pack called uh, Music for America. Okay. So I did that. I was like a state coordinator for them. And at
0: this time, are you doing any comedy writing?
1: Not really. I mean... Yes, but just not sending it anywhere. So you're comedy
0: writing, but you're not submitting. Yeah, I had like a big notebook
1: of ideas. I wrote sketches. I was part of a sketch troupe in college. Okay. And so it was very much part of my life, but I just... And I was going to see a lot of comedy. So I was like in it. Like I would go to UCB like several times a week.
0: Me too. But
1: I never did anything about we it we were like in the to... same
0: audiences i bet probably definitely
1: i went to ask cat a number of times because it was free at the like, you could wait free. in line for the free one i would go to or that or you one. could pay to the right. i went to the free one so we were probably just like hanging out in line together they
0: had a ton i mean they would get and i
1: incredible maybe
0: cast. they still do they moved the whole ucb thing to this weirdo theater that's mm-hmm. much nicer but it's so far away yes um but the old school chelsea this is the one. one under gristides or I whatever loved that, it. Is. that was yeah. a great that was awesome
1: it was a Former like porn theater, was it? Yeah, that makes sense. I've I read, could see I think that. it was Amy Poehler's book where they talk about like first buying or renting that space and yeah. having to like clean it out out. and talking about how that's so disgusting, Very. finding things that you just can't forget. It but. was
0: amazing to go to the, uh, those ASCAD shows. You would go and you would be like Amy Poehler, Incredible and it would be cats. like, uh. Current SNL cast members and uh, late night people and yes, you know. so I feel like
1: I was collecting a lot of comedy experiences that now still influence me. So it mm-hmm. it wasn't like for nothing, but I definitely wasn't performing. And I was doing some f- my first freelance writing, just like music reporting or entertainment reporting, freelance. And um, I worked uh, as Spewack, the like the coat uh, streetwear company. I was a PR oh, really? for, like an intern for them okay. for a while, paid intern. And so like I just did a variety of odd jobs. Yeah. I worked at Cold Stone Creamery for a while and sang for tips. Did you? Yeah, on the Upper East Side. So like, I was really, I did, so the show that I went to, that, um, I went to Conan O'Brien's 10th anniversary special okay. at the Beacon. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. I went to, the show that still to this day, I'm like, that was one of the best things I've ever done. Um, they, do you remember Soundtracks Live at UCB? They did, yeah. they tried the show where they like, yeah. did the live soundtrack to 80s movies mm-hmm. and then they, my understanding of it is basically reenacted an 80s movie like a john hughes movie from memory or something sort right. of like like a real drilled down like a dumbed down version of it yeah so they had they were taping a pilot of that at beacon theater they filled it up with a live audience and the cast was incredible and it's almost like apocryphal because people don't believe me that all these people were in one thing mm-hmm. but it was tina fey amy poehler paul rudd most of the people from the state mm-hmm. which i was huge mtv yeah. the state were you a fan of the state. I like the
0: state. I like the uh, they had so many good shows. Uh they had the original John Stewart show, which only lasted like one yeah, season. It was, so good. it was so good. And
1: uh yeah, just so like all of those people yeah. from that time were all in it together and um and more. And it was just one of those special and they did sixteen candles. Oh cool. <laughs> um and it was just such a special thing to see all those people really not even like at their famous levels yet. Like, I yeah. have no idea. I don't think I knew who Paul Rudd was at that time. Mm-hmm. But looking back and seeing the pictures from it and being like, oh, yeah. you were really young and yet you look the same. Exactly,
0: exactly the, same. the same. Like, oddly the same. Oh, like, he sleeps in Tupperware or he something. He
1: absolutely has a deal with a witch. Yeah. Like, 100%. That's not natural.
0: Yeah. He is like a Benjamin Button in, but he's not really doing anything. <laughs> it's not that's happening. the
1: opposite of Benjamin Button. He's just doing nothing.
0: It's, yeah, there's no aging. He's not aging in reverse. Do you think reverse. it will happen
1: all at once? Or yes. do you think, like, one day he'll wake up and be like, No, I'm 75. Yeah, he'll just
0: become an old person. We won't know that it's Paul Rubb. He'll be <laughs> he'll like,
1: just, And then he'll just fade into the normal guy. people. Yeah. yeah. He'll just be like 95 one day. I think, I feel like, I don't know him, but I feel like it would, that he would be okay with that.
0: <laughs> he'd be like, Thanks, man. That's yeah, nice. he'd be like,
1: I got enough time. It's yeah, cool. It's fine. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I, I took a lot in in terms of the comedy scene mm-hmm. and learned by osmosis in yeah. that sense like yeah. from all the ass cats just seeing people do it at the very height. Right. But I was too timid at the time to jump in and feel I I just think I just felt like a going from a really really small town and then a smaller, you know, I mean it's a big school but like I still felt like it was close to home and yeah. I felt very comfortable at my college. So Moving to New York, I think I wasn't able to put a finger on this, but I felt very outclassed.
0: So now, when do you move home to Ohio?
1: Uh, I move home after John Kerry does not get elected because the political nonprofit I was making a whole $800 a month from was like, we can't pay you anymore because John Kerry lost. Oh, John
0: Kerry.
1: Oh, John Kerry. I blame him. Um, And at the time, I was like, you know what? i'm just gonna go home i'm gonna earn a bunch of money and come back and do this the right way i'm gonna go home for like i put all my stuff in storage all my stuff i put my papa's on chair (laughs) and my like two crates of stuff and i just was like i'm gonna just this is a hiatus i'm gonna go home and i I had been like really sick because i didn't have health insurance regroup regroup and i'm gonna come back and kill it with a plan and then I never went back.
0: <laughs> never went back.
1: No, I met my husband, and I got a job at an um, entertainment paper that my best friend worked at and was like, we need a writer. Perfect. And I was like, great. And then that led to a full-time job entertainment reporting at a Alt Weekly in Columbus. And then oh, I what Alt went Weekly? from there. Uh, Columbus Alive. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah, it was I good. used to do, when I first day. came to the city... I did newspaper illustration, um, and I worked for the New York Press, which is oh, New yeah. York, which is the alt weekly here. Yep, it was like the Village Voice competitor, mm-hmm. and I did like the weekly political or editorial type uh, illustration stuff for that paper. And then oh, awesome. they would, I would do a painting or something, and then other alt weeklies around the country would pick it up, and they would like you know second or third oh, run awesome. type stuff. So it would be like. Um, L.A. Weekly, Orlando right. Weekly. There was like a Which whole series. Huge
1: experience when you're young. Yeah, but it was like those out. those
0: alt weeklies were huge.
1: Oh yeah, the, at the time they were very influential. Now they're
0: totally shutting down.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's still around, but only it? because it's owned by the Dispatch, by the local okay. paper, who was then owned by like a yeah. you know conglomerate. Right. <laughs> of people that are not in publishing. That's but, the thing
0: about publishing and everyone. It's it, I think it's surprising that people don't realize publishing only exists because there's some gigantic wealthy person who doesn't mind throwing money down the drain. Oh, 100%. Everyone's like, this doesn't make any money. It's like... This they never payers. made any money. they never made money. <laughs> this never made money. Just some, some no. rich guy who made a ton of money doing something completely different and for wanted, whatever reason wanted the influence to say I own this newspaper yep. and I want to say this person for president yes. or this person for senate. hundred percent That's the only yes. reason they
1: own it. That's a hundred percent yes. Uh, I still freelance for them so I should not that's be having this conversation. No. I feel like they're not going to hear it. And
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. But it's just like you know you're not getting any money off of people buying a right. subscription to your little thing. No. Like, that's not how any of it happens.
1: That's not how any if this works, yeah, but no. So, um, and then one great thing from that job, though, even though like you're starting out, you're making like not, but yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I have health insurance yeah. now. I'm making a salary, making like thirty five thousand dollars a year, you're killing it. But at the time, you know, you're yeah. young and single, and it's great, yeah. Um, but the other great part of that was they had just been bought out by the dispatch, mm-hmm. which kept them alive, and uh, literally, um, <laughs> in uh, that their name is alive, ha ha ha, uh, and they. <laughs> Um we're really investing in podcasts this was like 2005 2006 okay. 2007 so like they were really investing in um, that early like pop videos mm-hmm. content digital Streaming. content like they had heard somewhere at to- a workshop or yeah. like a conference that one of them went to that like podcasts and streaming and digital was like the wave of the future. Yeah. So they made us all have a blog, like an individual blog. Um, and they, in addition to the work we did, and they, they were like, go, just go experiment and like go do podcasts. But they really didn't put a lot of, our editor was great. Um, and he, he, was a young guy that was just kind of like go try things, like go see what sticks and yeah. what people will watch. So I did all these man on the street interviews with, uh, like I would go to the Ohio State campus, with, like and, a microphone, just be uh-huh. like hey, yeah, is- I would do like woman on the street, like Billy on the street kind yeah. of stuff, except not as yelly, <laughs> not as yelly, and I would just sort of like interview people and joke around with them about like whatever the news of the week was, like yeah. oh, there's like the Ohio State Michigan games coming up, like let's do some score predictions, like what do you think it'll be, and you know like yeah, just like what word comes to mind when you think of this, but. Uh, those are still on the deep web on YouTube somewhere, by the way. If you wanna,
0: I do want to catch those. I do want to catch those. But it was
1: like great experience yeah. to get, a, you know, to have like a blank check to just go around and be like, here's all this professional equipment. Yeah. They, you know, they got a green screen.
0: That's awesome. Oh, and I also
1: did a v- very much a rip off of Weekend Update <laughs> that we uh, I called Federline and Friends, um, where I would just do, you know, like satirical TV news. Yeah. So that in some ways that was like my first mm-hmm. professional foray into satire writing because i had my own comedy like weekly comedy segment, and that would be embedded on the site it would be on the site yeah nice. and they would push it out to their like fledgling social media things like friendster or something whatever oh, was on friendster. Then. Yeah, i, was on I friendster. miss
0: friendster <laughs> i feel like that's going to be the next wave because people are all everybody hates facebook right even though people are addicted to facebook because right. it's like yeah, it's like a phone book for the world and if we could just like port all of our stuff over to friendster <laughs> You I think be, we're going to go back? Like, I would love it. It's I like a Walking
1: it. Dead reset of yes. the world to Friendster. Yes. Be, I think I'm here for that.
0: Friendster, totally fine. My, Bring back the Friendster.
1: My personal theory is that if someone, if another platform could find a good way to do groups, yeah. like the way that Facebook does private groups, then Facebook's gone. Because well, that's then, the part that I can't let go of, is like yeah. we have a private group for the Belladonna writers, right. and that part is extremely useful, but the part where it's like people screaming about their cats and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's got, let's talk about that because I want to hear about the the um, the the beginnings of the Belladonna started yeah, from Facebook. Groups. It did. So you guys are online, which I kind of
1: hate. Like I hate giving them credit for it, but that's the reality of how it happened. Oh,
0: well, it's digital assembly. You got to meet. It's like yes. a digital meetup group.
1: It's true. So we were all part of the a comedy writing group just for women. Um, it, that's a Facebook group.
0: And these are, these are comedy, and the outlets you guys are trying to all get into at the exact same time is probably, uh, Shouts. Shouts right. and
1: Murmurs, McSweeney's. McSweeney's. National, McSweeney's. Lampoon, National Lampoon. Lampoon at the time. Uh, The Toast was still, well, okay. right on the edge of, like, when The Toast stopped publishing. Okay. People are asking about packets for things, or, like, yeah. The Onion, how do I get on Reductress? Reductress, Reductress. is a big one. That's a big the one. The Onion. Um, so a lot of those same... I feel like this around that
0: time, Funnier Die was lesser uh, publishing articles. Yeah, I, they had pushed I think it into happened, but it was
1: very mysterious, like how that pipeline. Yeah, went. yeah, it was more videos. Um, so yeah, it was like everyone trying to figure out how to get on McSweeney. <laughs> but they we're like, how sharing... do we gang up
0: on Chris Monks in such a way? Yes. Get ourselves on there.
1: And Marty Dundix.
0: <laughs> I know. Just like how, what's the way? So it, it was all kind of like insider type. Yeah. Just like support groups.
1: Yeah. I, it, that was a lot of what it was. And what we were noticing is that the women were on all levels, but it, mostly it's like a lot of emerging women. You're not like, yeah. it's not like Tina Fey being like, guys, listen, yeah. here's here's what you need to do. It's like a lot of people that are all in the same boat. Right. Um. And then a few have been in writer's rooms or this or that, but like for the most part it's people in our same state and so um occasionally people would be like i want to start something you know there's not enough places for women to submit and get taken seriously yeah. by which they meant not you know McSweeney's is great shouts is great but there are, there just aren't a lot of satire outlets period yeah and then there were a lot of places like um like there's college points, humor there's
0: points in case there's yeah. the robot butt
1: yeah now but uh, yeah. at the time it was like i don't know there was just a, a phase of where it felt like a lot of the humor was tra- like the funnier dive die videos or the college humor mm-hmm. was very like traditionally male humor totally and so if you wanted geared. to do something also that was age
0: related it was yes. like male uh yes. 18 year olds it was or like, like if you're 23 and
1: a guy and your name is chad like you are yeah. in a great place yeah um so the chads were doing great and everyone else was not doing great and so Uh, uh, we also felt really disheartened that women were getting on there and saying you know what i'm just not going to do this anymore because it's not going anywhere and when i do reach out to someone i'm getting really like negative feedback or no feedback or i just don't hear back or it's really confusing and um they just there was no pipeline there's no there's nothing you know and so um it wasn't even like oh we don't get paid for this or or that it was more just like i want to feel like my work is getting seen and that I'm part of a community and this sort of thing. Um, and that I can use my voice and not just stuff my voice into whatever the Mm -hmm. show is. Um, and so we were like, uh, Carrie Whitmer posted finally after, you know, reading a lot of this and said, she just said, I, I want to start a website. Like, who's in? Mm-hmm. And Caitlin immediately responded and was like, yes, I'll do it. And Fiona responded and said, yes, I'll do it. And then Caitlin messaged me and was like, Car- this girl Carrie Whitmer in our group is starting a website. Like, do you want in? And I'm like, yes. So, and how did
0: you guys know each other?
1: Uh, we knew each other from Portland. We okay. had lived in Portland, Oregon at the same time. I, after moving back to Ohio and doing all the things we just talked about. Uh, after I got married, we moved to Portland, Oregon, and lived there for seven years.
0: We skipped that part, Brooke. We did. We there, was skipped it.
1: there was a gap. There was a gap. You know, looking we'll back, it wasn't editing. linear. Sorry. We missed the whole Portland chapter. So Portland was seven years, and then we moved back to Ohio. Anyway, so uh, yeah, this I was already back in Ohio by this point. Okay. But Caitlin had been my teacher at Curious Comedy Theater for a, uh, like an advanced sketch class mm-hmm. that I took. And I'd been like nine months pregnant, but I remember taking her aside and being like, "I'm gonna miss the last class because I'm giving birth." <laughs> and I'm like, "But oh, how annoying!" I, I know I was like, "But I, I'm really serious about this, and I don't want you to think I'm not serious." So like, I want to <laughs> keep in touch with you. And she was so impressed by the fact that I was like this poor little waddly, you know, woman <laughs> who was like not the classic comedy profile yeah. of someone who's like, you know, pushing. I was like 33 by that point, you know, and I'm like out to here pregnant. And I'm like, just to let you know, I'm really serious about yeah. professional comedy writing. And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> Clearly. Um, and so uh, then, you know, when I moved back, she started teaching at Second City. Mm-hmm. And so she messaged me and was like, you need to take this. Like, I took the first iteration of her class there, her satire um, series. And then now I
0: now I you teach, teach that it. with
1: her, which is exciting. So
0: you guys seem to be um, responsible I mean, for instructing, like, this whole generation of online comedy writers now, because I know I get them as submissions, yeah. and I see...
1: Yeah, we send the cream of the crop to you. I see
0: all of them also on, like, Shouts. They're mm-hmm. in The New Yorker, yeah. and they're in McSweeney's, McSweeney. and they're Little, old, a, lady and little old Lady, and Points and Case, and
1: Robot Bud, and, and all. Mad.
0: Yeah. You know, Mad's There's doing a lot more Mad. stuff, uh, uh
1: Hoo-ha-ha is doing some things that we've had people in now. So, and other things, like just live shows or live readings yeah. and things, and several books. And You're
0: making so many people better at writing comedy. That's so nice. Like, they probably... Marty, they,
1: I'm a crier. Don't make me cry on this show. They knew
0: that they wanted to write comedy, but they didn't know exactly how to do it correctly. And then you guys are like, no, 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 just change this little bit. Well, we saw you ourselves know, These are the rules. in this.
1: Like, this is why we created the Belladonas because we're just like, there's all this latent talent just sitting here. Yeah. And there's nowhere... To, I mean, there are places to submit it, but I feel like they just need the extra little, like, but do this. You know, or like, but just... Have the confidence to do right. it, and like go ask for what you want. And so, um
0: I tell people to submit to Belladonna because you guys give feedback that's useful.
1: Oh, thank you. That means
0: a lot to <laughs> like, me. People we, are that was a people big part send of it. stuff, to, and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't help you be, I can't help you be funnier. I don't. It it takes too much time, and 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 I'm not a comedy instructor. You guys are. Well, it
1: helps that there's four of us. If yeah. it was only one of us, I'd be like, it's bad. Bye.
0: It is. It's too fast. I can't handle it. It's, it's too bad. Many. It's Sorry, not good. by Yeah, it is. But, but it'll be like four you guys can tell people exactly what to change, or they can take a class. Yeah. I recommend your class to uh, all everybody.
1: Thank you. And I'm That's like, awesome. how
0: about this? Go take that. Class. And
1: the second city is great because it offers online classes. So you yeah. don't have to be in. your... I mean, obviously, it offers in person classes as well, intensives and workshops. But like the online piece was for me a revelation to mm-hmm. be like, I can be hooked into this larger thing and feel like I'm really doing something and really learning something from where I'm at because mm-hmm. I was no less serious about it but just life things and family things I'm you know suddenly you're in Columbus and you have a mortgage and a kid and you're yeah. like well that didn't necessarily go on the path that right. it maybe would be ideal for you're comedy right. and the traditional pipeline but I I realized later how serious I was about it like in a way I've told people like getting pregnant for me was like when people hear their biological clock tick I heard my comedy clock tick mm-hmm. and it for me where as most people would have been like, you know what, I guess I'm just going to have to let that dream die and yeah. just lean hard into this. I was I'm very excited about being a mom and I love it. And my daughter is like almost six now. But that said, I also don't want that to be the only thing that I am. I was extra passionate about comedy. I knew I wanted it to be part of my life. And it, it took that amount of like i had started taking classes at curious comedy mm-hmm. theater my husband finally bought me like a class as a christmas gift and was like don't be like now i have purchased it so now you have the guilt of like having to do it because right. it's been pre-purchased which was totally the impetus that i needed that's to, how i am
0: with people buying me like cooking classes yeah
1: now you have to do it so because he knew i wanted to but i was just like afraid mm-hmm. of failing like i was afraid of being mediocre yeah. and so then you're like well i don't want to like top out and be like oh right. the thing i'm really passionate about it turns out i can't do <laughs> And so <laughs> it's almost better to like have it be the that, yeah. unrealized dream where you're like, I could have done it. Like,
0: I could have to know. Nope, I'm bad. I'm really bad at this. Well, I kind
1: of did that with music. Like, I was a vocal music <laughs> performance major. I was. I'm a fine singer. Like, and it was like more of an operatic program, which I knew I didn't want to do opera, but it was that was what was available at yeah. college. And so I did like kind of the folk circuit, like the coffee house circuit, and while I was doing entertainment reporting in Ohio and. I was really passionate about music, and I always have been. Also, but like, I hit a point where I'm like, "This is about as good as I'm gonna get at the guitar." Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I can, I can accompany myself, yeah. and that's about it. And yeah. like, that's fine. But... I
0: have a bunch of guitars, and I can't play them.
1: Right. All the same. So yeah. I haven't played them in so long, and so it's just one of those things where I was like, "Hmm, okay." Like, I, I could keep digging into this and investing my time in it, but like, this isn't really something that I'm ever gonna be. As good as I yeah. need to be to be where I want to be with it, and I think realize and like I still enjoy it and mm-hmm. I still enjoy playing, but like instrumentally, I was never going to be at that point where yeah. people are like, I would pay to see that. Um, it was like friend rock, you know, where people come to support you because they're your friend and you have like decent banter. But then I realized like, oh, the banter is my favorite part.
0: <laughs> I'm only checking my phone because we're broadcasting this live on Twitter, and I was seeing if anybody had questions. Oh, amazing! I'm, I'm sure they don't. If we have questions. Oh, there's tons of questions, oh. but we won't get to them right now.
1: <laughs> we so, can't get there's th- none
0: questions. No, there's no questions. Um, I wanted to uh, when you when you want to do comedy and you write in the in the, in the manner that you do. You're so funny. I think the first thing I read you. that you um, that I ever got to publish of yours was the was the Disney the, the animatronic Disney thing. thing, and that is so funny. Oh, thank you. And I'm sure you're going to send me more things eventually. Well, like, you
1: published um, something with me and Eric Sternberger last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. It's the two. It counts. If. I mean, it's ish.
0: It's like one third of well, a Well, he piece.
1: reached out to me. and was like, Yeah, I know. Well, look, I had a book coming out. <laughs> he reached out to me and was like, I have an idea. Like, do you want to throw in on this? And I was like, I, I have absolutely no time and I'm in. Yes. Because he no, lives in Columbus as well. It's a very funny piece. Thank you. But it, I, it yeah, I agree. We were both just like, it okay, let's e- just get it out. It was an
0: expose. Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> an it, expose. It, uh, it drilled down into some of the horrible re- elected officials past, which are horrible. I mean, these guys They're are awful. just trash. They're trash um, people,
1: but uh, yeah. So the first one I really spent people. more time with, and I enjoyed.
0: But the style um, of your writing who 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 do you like? Who do you read that um, that writes in the manner? Because I really really love uh, Steve Martin's writing. Oh, I yeah. I love his older stuff that he mm-hmm. did for the New Yorker and for New York Magazine, mm-hmm. and he did a whole uh, collection called Pure Drivel mm-hmm. that was published, and I constantly give that book to people whenever they talk about, like, comedy or they're interested in comedy. I'm like, just read this book. Mm -hmm. And if you can be this, Mm -hmm. you will be successful.
1: Well, the hard part is, like, too. (laughs) He's
0: so funny. There are
1: people that I can say, like, I'm really influenced by or – uh, really matter to me, but I'm not sure that my writing is even in the same vein as theirs necessarily. Yeah. It's more just like, oh, I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you write it, it becomes its own thing. Right. You know? Like, steal like an artist, like Austin Kleon's yeah. book. I really believe in that. So at any rate, um, like it becomes your own thing. Even if you tried to make a Beatles album, you couldn't because right. you're not the Beatles. It's right. going to like take on your own But you're going
0: to make something. You're, you're going to make something. It's your interpretation exactly. of an idea. So
1: at any rate, like, I really love Jack Handy and his stuff on Jack SNL. Jack Handy.
0: That was one of the, the, the biggest thrills that uh, I got Was reaching out to Jack Candy, and he wrote me one piece. Amazing! It took me a year and a half to get him. I got his email from somebody else who said, "Don't tell him how you got this contact info." You gotta love that. I said okay, and I reached out, and I got him. And I was like, "Hey, I'd really love if you could." And he was like, "What's this about?" And and then. It just happened that uh, Bob Eckstein did the illustration to accompany the article. So it made it into this perfect thing. Incredible. It it, like turned into a great package. so much street cred. It did. And then it let them kind of, uh, they became uh, connected. And then they worked on a project together separately. Cut me out completely. That's fine.
1: That's fine. But it was so thrilling
0: to get a piece by Jack Candy. Because, so I mean, cool. I had all the Deep Thoughts books. He's just oh, yeah. so absurd I had and them so all funny. growing up.
1: And like uh, Ted L. Nancy, whoever that actually was. Uh, yes. Letters from a nut.
0: I actually did the book jacket for um, when uh, he, we actually had a book imprint at Lampoon years and years earlier. And there was a book called Hello Junk Mail by Ted L. Nancy. Mm-hmm. And I got to do all the book design for it. So Amazing. I was emailing him back and forth. I think forward. I have that book. And, and, he's, he's, and he is a nut. Amazing. He is an absolute crazy. person. But yeah, person, that but sort of like funny. absurdist tinge yes, on that things that are like stuff.
1: folksy mixed with like crazy absurdist, uh, yeah. or like stuff um, that
0: takes a turn, but like yes. in a in a such a nonchalant way, yes. you never saw it coming, and they still don't acknowledge that it was a turn. But there's some you know? joy
1: in it, and I think that's why I love satire writing. Is like I am, I really deeply identify with like Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. and that it, she just brings a lot of joy and community to it, and I feel like having worked on, like I've done marketing for comedy theaters and I've done, you know, that sort of thing. I've seen like the stand-up world and the improv world and they're all interesting and great and have great people in them but there's like, a segment of comedy that's like sort of just attracts like deeply broken people, yeah. you know. And that was never my favorite part, where it's like just no. a bunch of people being like, "Ah, oh, this," uh, you know, "like our life sucks." Yeah, and we hate everything. Everyone's very pre-
0: depressed. Yeah. and all the jokes are around how they, uh, how depressed are you? Oh, I'm, I'm more depressed than you. Oh, yeah. you, have to, you have and to I like never out, really bought to to That's sad. Like, yes, you have to
1: outsad someone or out shock them. Yeah, no, that's not my brand of comedy. Yeah, like to me, I was. I think that's really a reductive view of comedy. And so to me, it was about like the joy of sharing this laughter where like even if you have very different backgrounds, you're like, oh, yeah, like that's that we relate to that on some level. And that's really funny. So I don't buy into the theory that like comedy comes from your brokenness yeah. necessar- I think it can you know like there's it definitely can. people that yeah. I find funny that do that but there's also people that seem like John Mulaney <laughs> it seems like I love John incredibly well adjusted yeah. but also incredibly funny just because of the way he sees the world um, so like obviously like the Tina and Amy yeah. people of the world um, Mike Sachs was Mike like a, Sachs
0: he, he blurbed our book he, he lives up the street from Caitlin and I
1: he's in Park Slope. he's been like a, a satire hero of mine so when he wrote back and was like oh I love this book I was just like oh n- cool he's such a He's such a nice guy.
0: He's such a nice guy. And I think maybe it's funny because I met him through just mutual friends. Mm -hmm. And I just met him socially. And we just hung out at a bar together. Oh, nice. And I just knew him as a guy who's a neighbor of mine. And then we hung out and we did like happy hour or whatever. And I connected with him with other people. And we just like, it was just more of a social thing. And then like later on, as I'm not seeing him as often, he is like the comedy, everyone, he's like the comedy authority. And I'm like, I, I I just thought you were this guy I met up the street.
1: Has he written for you? yeah one thing oh amazing
0: one thing amazing it's very funny yeah
1: well he's he N- is very N- funny it's
0: called npr fan fiction and it's really really That's funny incredible yeah
1: i wrote a piece for second city that got in a um, like a festival that they were doing for women and it was an npr pledge drive but done as like a morning by a morning show crew <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh that was really fun to do to like combine those worlds i really love the npr world yeah and it's ripe for for satire even oh, though i they're love so it so funny we um, did a
0: thing, uh, Janine Annette, I don't know if you know her. I love her. I mean, she I, she's like something. an internet
1: friend and not a real life friend. This,
0: yeah, this team of people, they're all this, I mean, I know them as writers that write, and then I know that they have these, these splinter off to these mm-hmm. little private groups. Um, but she wrote something called Wake Up America mm-hmm. recently. And it was so good because it's so like a morning show, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's Wake Up America. You're right. all stupid and everyone's. Uh, dying in these horrible mass shootings and the whole thing was just and it, it's its exactly how the news reports these things and it's always thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and then they go our next story is this dog <laughs> who can dance and they're like oh my Good god segue. that's adorable
1: that's amazing but now we don't like, feel pain and
0: now it's like but it was like eight segues in a row and it was just so that's blunt awesome. she's great. really smart and yeah. she's
1: another example of someone that I, I don't think she lives in New York or LA she's a mom I think mm-hmm. and she like is a little bit older than the standard 23 year old Chad and so I really I feel like a lot of the comedy writers that
0: that you guys have produced through the Second City classes and the Belladonna's are these uh, atypical comedy writers who are uh, maybe later in life, maybe uh, have had a completely different career. Yeah. Maybe they have families in a But I think that informs their comedy writing in this
1: amazing way where you're getting a different perspective and you're getting somebody that's actually lived some life so has something to say about it. Yeah. Like not that, you know... Sorry, twenty-three-year-old Chads. I think you can be very funny, but no, I think they have like, no voice. But they, have they don't no idea. have a voice yet. Like they haven't lived anything. Their parents paid for their college yeah. to go to Harvard, and then they're yeah. like, "Well, I'm ready to write comedy." Exactly. And I'm like, "You yeah, haven't lived through anything."
0: Yeah, nothing horrible has happened to you no. yet.
1: <laughs> and I also think like living in Ohio is. I used to see it, like when I was first starting out, I feel like I apologized for it a lot. Like Mm -hmm. it was definitely something where I'm like, okay, so I'm not in New York Or I would just say like, I'm Midwest based. Like maybe they think it's Chicago. But now it's like, I see that as such an asset because I'm like, I'm in the heartland of all the things that are happening nationally. And I am right, you know, like my street for the elections was like, half democratic signs and half republican signs and i'm like that's so interesting to me that your neighbors who you're all out like chit-chatting with they're like side-eyeing each other like oh what are you okay interesting, you know but i mean i'm right at that point where it's a lot of the conversations that we're having are manifesting itself in my Mm -hmm. life and in my community in this really real way that i think is interesting to observe up close and Mm -hmm. good for my comedy and gives me a different voice than you know, other people, yeah, and so to me, that helps me establish a voice and a sensibility, um, and I like living you know, I live a block from the park, and yeah. I don't get stabbed, and it's amazing, <laughs> hey, not getting
0: stabbed very uh I think not underrated. getting
1: stabbed is so underrated <laughs> um but yeah i love I love where I live, and i I like to come you know, I'd like to come here more often yeah. and like, well, you will
0: it. since you're a big time author now. I mean, since
1: I'm famous now,
0: so let's talk about the book because you guys wrote uh, an article that. Luckily went in McSweeney's, yeah,
1: so well and... first we pitched it to The New Yorker, but we pitched it Warp. as slightly different, um, we pitched Warp. it as. Uh, I think it was something like Porn for the Liberal Woman. Go and ahead. probably, first of all, it's amazing that Emma shouts even received it because I'm sure it went in her spam filter yeah. <laughs> for that reason. Red um, flag, red
0: yeah, flag. Yeah, maybe
1: don't pitch something with porn in the title. Yeah. And then, so she very lovingly rejected it and said, um, this is, you know, has some good stuff, but not for me. And then uh, we were like, well, let's, we don't want it to go on our site because yeah. we have done that and we want it to be, we're growing the site. So we want traffic and eyes on us. Yeah um and so we were like chris has been so supportive um uh, chris monks the editor of mick sweeney's has been so supportive of us just starting this new thing and i think mm-hmm. he's been very supportive to women's voices in general yeah on, on McSweeney's and um it's it's only that he publishes you know it's just him so it's like five or six or eight articles a week so yeah. that's i think what he's doing is great and he gives great constructive feedback but if you're not in those articles or if you're not breaking into that you know yeah. we just wanted there to be more so right. in no way was our starting the belladonna any comment negatively on what he or other people is yeah, doing only,
0: there's only so many things people can publish yeah today. there's just
1: only so much bandwidth to publish right. things so we just wanted there to be more so at any rate he'd been very very supportive from the beginning and so we reached out to him and he's like yes i love it he ran the piece basically without edits i think and it was like a few weeks we wrote it in january it came out in early february And, you know, usually you write a piece and it gets like anywhere between one and (laughs) a thousand shares, right? I mean, or like if you get 2,000 shares, you're like, oh my gosh, like, look at me. Yeah. Um, I think like the top piece that I had ever written it got 15,000 shares on the Second City Network. And that was around the, it was like a piece um, of Ohio when they did the um, the con- Republican National Convention, mm-hmm. like basically writing a Dear John letter to Trump and mm-hmm. being like, no, this is, we, we don't want to be associated with your whole right. thing. So that was like tapped into an anger that people were having or whatever. So um, that got like 15,000 shares. And I was like, wow. Goodbye, world. I'm in. Evangel- <laughs> yeah, that was like the apex of my career. So that that was just for comparison. Right. That's kind of where we had all been. And then um, we wrote this piece, and within hours, like a day, it got shared like 110,000 times on Facebook. Wow! And we were getting all these internet comments. Yeah. they don't track Twitter shares, so I don't know. But uh, at any rate, just obviously something had mm. hit a nerve and it, it was around the time of the Me Too conversation really hitting the yeah. its stride and we just hit the right thing at the right
0: moment. Yeah, but I don't think we
1: had, I think we had a sense that we really loved the piece yeah. and so we wanted it to do well in that sense because we were just like, oh, this one really feels like in our voice and we really love it. But I don't think we were like sitting by the computer being like, you're welcome, world. <laughs> like, yeah. it's going to just blow up. Like, we didn't have any expectations. And it was a pretty, it,
0: it's a, It's not a long piece. No. It's, it's very concise. It's got, uh, I think in the original article, it had the... Uh, Twelve
1: vignettes. The,
0: like, Tom Hardy with the uh, LaCroix. Yep. I always want to call it LaCroix. That was
1: the genesis of this whole yeah. thing, was us having a G-chat. We have, like, an epic G-chat just all day long, all the time, to talk about Belladonna things mm-hmm. and other, you know, obviously we just talk about the world. And we were joking about, you know, we're always talking about monetizing the site and how we're going to do that as a young site, trying to figure out a, you know, it's hard in comedy to figure out the sustainable way as you know well. Yeah, there
0: there isn't one. There I got isn't I, one. I got right. news for you.
1: It's not. Right. <laughs> so we have these endless conversations where we back ourselves into corners. And I so as a joke, we're always saying like I think what we should do is just have LaCroix sponsor us because we drink so much of it and and I'm like, so that should probably solve it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, just for the first year or two they can just kind of be our benefactor and i'm like so i was like to be clear i don't know how sponsorships work <laughs> and i was like so i'm just suggesting i was like in my mind they just bring a like tom hardy brings Jules LaCroix yeah. and that's it it's and it. that's a sponsorship and i'm like is that not it and fiona i think was like uh that sounds like porn for brooklyn women and i was like oh, there you go and she goes that's our monetization idea we'll write like, Tom Hardy LaCroix porn, and they'll send us envelopes of cash. And yeah. we were just, I mean, as a joke, we were, yeah. like, just laughing about it. And then uh, Caitlin goes, that's a piece. That's really funny. And she opens a Google Doc. We all start throwing things into it. We wrote the, um, he takes me into his office and shuts the door to promote me. He promotes me again and again. I'm wild with ecstasy. Just not even as part of the piece. Just yeah. we're making each other laugh on Gchat. And then we had two or three like that. And she was like, okay, we're doing this. We're writing. We're a group writing a piece. We wrote it in, like, a day. Mm-hmm. Um And would have written it faster, but we're all we have day jobs that we have to like go to and from. But we were all really excited about the concept because it felt really replicable. Yeah. But it also felt not exactly like something we had seen Mm -hmm. in that voice before. And so we were like, Oh yeah, we have to submit this somewhere.
0: So it gets shared a bajillion thousands of times. Yes. And then how quickly did a publisher say, Hey, I want this?
1: About five days. That's amazing. I know. So this has been around so that was like this February. This has been the craziest year. So it comes out we all, like, high-five a million angels because it did well. Mm-hmm. And then we're just about to, like, go back to our day daily lives to be like, that was neat. Yeah, We really succeeded in our goal to, like, we had great traffic that week, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we did it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the end. And then we got our... <coughs> an ah. mm, Hi. I definitely <laughs> didn't spill coffee, so don't <laughs> worry about it. Um, so, so then we uh, got an email... From this woman who was like, hi, I work at this... I I don't want to give like specifics because I feel like I don't want people to email this poor woman and be like, I have a book. She's like, that's not... They're like, I have porn. (laughs) That's right. I got porn. You want my porn? You want my
0: Bigfoot porn? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, but... At any, it's easily googlable. But at any rate, uh, so she reached out to us and was like, uh, she had just come over from another label, so she was kind of looking to fill her dance card, I mm-hmm. surmise. She didn't say that, and and she was sort of like, um, I'm the executive editor here. I just read your piece. I'm laughing my ass off. I just sent it all over my office, which her office is Hachette. <laughs> like it's yeah. not like her office, which is an accounting firm with four people. Right. It's like Hachette UK, you know. So she's like um so yeah we love it my coworkers love it have you ever have you ever thought about turning this into a book (laughs) we're like
0: have i it's like it's been four days
1: we were like that's literally all we've thought about (laughs) since we've been eight is how do we turn anything that we've ever thought or written into a book a comedy book and we're like yes so we write back so first we google her to make sure she's a real person (laughs) and that it's not like a highly literate fishing scam (laughs)
0: It's like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, we were like... We is- want to publish your book. You just have but to it just doesn't pay us. Happen. I mean, I, yeah. it just
1: doesn't happen. So you just feel like you have to do your due diligence. So we reached out and we're like, yes, amazing. But like, we didn't really have our hopes too up because it seemed like, well, maybe she sends like 50 of those and then it drops off and you never yeah. hear from them again or whatever. And so we were like, yes, amazing. Like We'd love to chat with you about it anytime or we could put a proposal together or how does this work kind of thing. And then she wrote back you know, within, you know, we kind of went some back and forth Mm -hmm. over email for the next couple of days. And then she made us an offer. Boom. No proposal.
0: That's awesome. It
1: doesn't happen. No. Ever. And before anyone that is listening gets um, very, very jealous, please know that we had had all of the traditional no's and experiences up until that point. So this isn't like, I just got into comedy one day and just got, I just didn't have to work for it at all. Like, We've been rejected so many times. so.
0: But those stories are sad. Yeah,
1: those stories are sad. And <laughs> we don't want to tell them. Yeah, but, I mean, it is important to know that uh, somebody on Twitter had, uh, like, a hashtag or something, a discussion where it was sort of like, talk about your, like, how your rejection shaped you mm-hmm. and i said um or like what was your first mcsweeney's piece or how many times were you rejected by mcsweeney's and i said i was rejected 14 times before i got a yes but then my second yes i got a book deal from <laughs> <laughs> so like keep going yeah. you know and that piece was rejected by somebody else so if we'd just been like oh maybe it doesn't have legs right you know then we wouldn't have this so
0: well i would have published it
1: thanks um do you publish books do we do it
0: Humorist Books launched it uh, in August. Amazing. Humoristbooks.com. Good to
1: know. Good plug. Good segue. <laughs> um, so, at any rate, so that happened. And then through that, we got an agent. Like, she, we were we were the saddest people. We were like, so, um, so sorry to be these people. How do we do this? Like, how do we get an agent to negotiate yeah. this contract for us? Yeah. And she was so utterly fair with us and was like, go tell them you have an offer on the table and yeah, I know. you'll be surprised it's that like people really, might want to work with you
0: it's like if you don't have any sort of an offer and you have a book nobody no wants to represent wants to work you. with you and it's then like, the second you once you've already on sold table, everything yeah. and they have to do literally nothing yeah, but take 10 like, or whatever yeah, they love that they
1: love it so sure enough people were like we would love to work with <laughs> you and we're like amazing so it was a good week um and then so we got an i mean we interviewed like three or four agents do, in what's your days. literary agent uh david black agency it's is that Susan like a, all literary yeah yeah
0: and are you represented as as a single group
1: uh yeah we're just like represented together as, as a, a
0: belladonna group
1: uh not as the belladonna because we keep it it's not yeah. a belladonna book per se even though we're the four editors but you of four it.
0: are represented together yeah so you don't all have separate agents who are fighting with each other exactly that's that's good
1: that's very important and <laughs> we we all get along really really yeah. well we just ha- and that is an important facet of this is like finding your tribe or your mm-hmm. people that like I think each one of those women are like comedy queens who are so hard working and so talented and I'm so lucky to like partner with them but the second we came together and we're like we're really gonna like put our full collective force into this and mm-hmm. trust each other it's hard to trust each other's comedy work and to, to just trust that we can make it better um, together than it would be individually. Like big things started happening for us that would not have happened. I firmly believe individually, not to say any of us wouldn't have had any success individually. I'm sure that we would have, but I think we have accomplished much more together by just clicking in and finding that group that, that flow that like worked for us Mm -hmm. and for some people that might be alone and for some people that could be two people or four you know for us it was four it takes four of us to write a book but we did it um but you know that has just everything started to open up when we found our people Mm -hmm. um and so that was and then we our agent helped us get like a mini proposal together which is still like 80 pages (laughs) so a mini proposal to shop like a parallel u.s deal for the same book on the same timeline and so we met with Publishers and everything that so exciting, week. yeah, it's crazy. So then,
0: going from the uh, the written article, which is not that long, Mm-mm. and then you scaled it yeah. to a book. Yeah. So you had how many vignettes in the article? Twelve. And then how many are in the book?
1: Uh, I don't know exactly off the top of my head. Somewhere in the seventies, I think. So There's
0: a lot more. Yeah. So you broke it up into categories, like mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, so we
1: decided that would be, and I think it was at the behest of one of our editors, which was a great idea. It was mm-hmm. like, instead of just randomly coming up with as many as you can, why don't we be like four? Holidays. You have some literary ones. You have some, you know, political ones. What are the yeah.
0: categories like? Political, uh, holidays, There family. is... Uh, do you have a book with you?
1: God, do I? I don't know. I think I may have given it
0: away. Oh. I have postcards, but they
1: don't have that. Uh, it's like new erotica for... Uh, for literature is one like li- okay. women from literature uh historical is another Ooh, one historical
0: is a good one. we have one.
1: a great one about eleanor roosevelt uh that's amazing like where it's like a remake of her my day columns yeah. um and we have uh for parents uh-huh. which that was the trickiest one because it was important to us because we feel like that group of feminists is not very seen yeah. in the world but um and they have really unique feminist challenges but You don't want to eroticize children in any way, or risk, you know, like (laughs) you like just the mere like combination of those Venn diagrams (laughs) is like such a dangerous thing. Keep them
0: very apart. Like you have to
1: find a way to like make it. Yeah. To be clear, we're we're not pedos, right? Yeah. So. Um, that was that took the longest to like figure out exactly the right entry point for that, but yeah. Um, so yeah, parents is one, pop culture mm-hmm. is one. That was very easy to write. like. We had to trim those down because you could write an endless amount of those. So
0: that means there could be more of these books. We have hope
1: enough? if there's demand and the first book sells well, we would love to write another. Which one. it will,
0: obviously. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm, as well as it already. From has. From what
0: I've seen online, all these places are sold out.
1: Well, right. In theory, so they're
0: going to be putting up more. I I also, uh, I mean, I think,
1: you know, it depends on how many they got, you know, the first time. But yeah, they're going to restock them. And yeah, it seems to be doing well. We're excited. It's only the
0: second day that it's been available. We're
1: excited. I will say this. Having the Belladonna as a group, even though this isn't an official Belladonna book. And one of the reasons we didn't want to do that is because it's just us. And we see the Belladonna as not just us. We are the founders of it, but it's this community of people. So if we do a Belladonna book, which I would be totally open to and would love to do in the future that's a lot more complicated of figuring out how do you pay everyone in the right, you know, yeah. like how do you make everyone feel represented and right. what's the process and all of that. Um, so if we were ever asked to do that or had an opportunity to, I would love to, but we didn't want it to seem like, well, yeah, why? <laughs> Thanks a lot for taking all the credit, <laughs> you know, like way to go. But we wanted to instead use this as an opportunity, like in all of our press, um, opportunities or events, like we're really going to be shouting out that community and yeah. trying to like, bring attention because they're doing amazing work. Yeah. And there are some really incredible people from getting their first byline ever to people that write on, like, you know, the Samantha Bee Show or... Yeah. Um, uh, Sasha Stewart wrote for Larry Wilmore mm-hmm. when it was on. So, like, we've had some authors and, you know, some bigger people, but uh, I like that it's, like, all levels. And we really want to use fun this to elevate those, those voices. It's fun
0: getting those writers because... in the, uh, I'm finding a lot of people who have maybe day jobs writing at mm-hmm. other places don't get the outlet to write short little pieces.
1: Uh, yes, that is true. You know, Yeah, I think they don't, re- or they want to, you yeah. know, or maybe they're not fully in the writer's room and they're just getting to submit sometimes, yeah. like they're doing social media or something like that. So we're really interested in how we can expand those pipelines, like traditional pipelines for women. Yeah. I think we're still really young in our own you know, uh, in our own publication, so we're just sort of finding our voice in that and our advocacy in that. But that's really important to us is to start to have the conversation of like, okay, great, we we're building this thing together. It seems to be working. We have this great internal community where we're sharing opportunities and people are getting stronger and giving each other feedback and sharing packets and opportunities. But then, like, where does this go from there? You know, how can we continue to widen the pathway to actually, Go to some paid opportunities to go to some careers, um, and you know just to figure out how to make this as impactful as we possibly can.
0: Well, you're building a new brand is is overall what you're doing, and I think that it's it's fun. I mean, there's uh, there's Reductress, mm-hmm. uh and and they're sort of female skewed satire they
1: are i mean they're it's just more a, i feel like
0: you guys took yours in a completely different direction where it's more we satire. intentionally
1: did that because we don't want to step on their toes yeah. we've several of us have written you know contributed to them before yeah. but they're a parody of a women's magazine so exactly. like a cosmo so it's kind
0: of fake news articles ish mm-hmm. in, in that kind of construct. i've heard it called
1: the feminist onion i don't know yes. if they would call it that but that's sort of that's why the they're voice. yeah that's how i but see there them being so there different. is a very much a uniform Voice that they want to achieve because it's that magazine yeah. voice, which right. is can be wildly funny. But we our intent was to create a, a site for women that was um, designed to not have one corporate voice, right. but to elevate individual voices to where people felt comfortable not having to like just write in one style, but to explore That's exactly their own, what I like to do their so own voices
0: I felt like the or I feel like sometimes McSweeney's falls into that. With mm-hmm. the onion, and I feel like they have a tone that they very much uh, sure. stick to, and they do very good at sticking to that tone. People yeah. absolutely love it. Yeah. And then a lot of people don't write that way, though. Right. And I feel like it's a it's a good place on Weekly Humorous and on Belladonna's and on on Poison Case and, and Robot Bud and in the New Yorker. Right. There's a variety of voices mm-hmm. that are different. Yeah. And um and I I enjoy that because I feel like people can kind of there's like a it's like a smorgasbord of of, of 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 comedy and you can get something that maybe someone you know, isn't into, but you have enough that everyone kind of gets something good out of the site.
1: Well, and for women, yes, and for women, you know, like, if you've been in stand-up as a woman, they will almost always tell you, like, oh, we already have a woman on this bill. Yeah. And so, like, as if you as couldn't if be a different jokes, kind exactly. of funny, like, yeah. oh, well, sorry, someone's already telling your jokes. <laughs> and you're like,
0: we don't huh. need any. We don't need any more period jokes. That's right. You're like
1: what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all we can joke about. And it, it, that's how people. To find. be clear, if that's that's a valid thing for satire, yeah. also that we welcome, but it's not the only thing that women talk about you know so it's like the or or in different voices you know you could do similar material in different from different angles so for us um it was really important to be like there's this absurdist piece or there's really highbrow stuff or really biting political and social satire or just silly right light things that are really fun sometimes we ask specifically in our newsletter could just send us like light fun things to because it's 2018 and yeah. Everyone's tired. Less news We're topical We're tired stuff. this month. Like, send us funny, like, light things about Evergreen, cats.
0: Evergreen. Normal. Yes. yes. And those are,
1: we've had some really amazing things, like, that go yeah. big on our site just from... People like it.
0: Yeah. It's they like fun. it. It's Everyone like a, likes to laugh right escapism. now. It's escapism.
1: Honestly, I think that's part of why our book has enjoyed any level of success is, like, these are weighty there's weighty issues underlying it underpinning it and i'm glad that they're a part of it you know Mm -hmm. we definitely wanted to talk about emotional labor and talk about these um like the me too movement and things that we really care about but those conversations do drain you even though they're important to have and so to us this was like the steam release valve of that of just like we still want to talk about it this is still a part of who we are but we need to laugh, yeah. like we're really sad because it's of all the things that have happened, and um, so and it was also very serendipitous that the midterms went the way they did. I think yeah. that was helpful, but yeah, so it's it's good to just also have that lighter side and be able to approach it from a yeah. a joyful place too.
0: I think that's fun. Also, uh, the, maybe the way the uh, internet is anonymous, and maybe and maybe. Uh, female writers have noticed. I I don't notice gender when I get the emails necessarily Mm -hmm. at all. I just read the content. So... I think if maybe if everyone
1: was like you, Marty, the world would be a better I don't know,
0: place. If, I don't know if I'm doing it on purpose. Maybe I'm just lazy, but I'm just like I'm like <laughs> reading the content. I'm like, hey, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's All good. Right, that's a good. funny. Yeah, right. yeah, flag that for later. Yeah. And then it's not, you know, you, you see that it's a, a girl or, or a boy. And maybe you don't know if it's a girl or a based on the name because there's lots of gender right. uh, neutral names. Right. Um, but I mean I think I think that's also been something that it's like you, you can on the internet the the cream rises to the top because uh, you can kind it's of it's more de-
1: egalitarian. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. theory, at least, you hope. In yeah. theory,
0: it seems to be uh, helping. How about that news story about how there weren't enough pitch packets for late night because <laughs> there weren't enough contenders? We saw that. I'm just like, we what? Did see
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy into that theory, obviously. Yeah, like, there's so
0: many people. Well, that's
1: part that goes back to the conversation of widen, widening the pipeline yeah. of like comedy writing and women in comedy writing are like an iceberg like you're seeing this little piece sticking out Mm -hmm. but there's all this below the surface there's all this talent just sitting there waiting to come to the surface and if you're not in ucb if you're not in these places you're not able to or you don't feel safe there because they've had some issues as well with um, things and uh i'm not making a comment on that one where i haven't really been a part of that scene so i can't make a comment about it but i would say like women don't always feel welcome or safe in, in any space for, you know, some reason. So it's their prerogative. So at any rate, I think, like, making it um, wider to be like, hey, there's all these great voices that clearly have something to say mm-hmm. in this moment. Like, I think the reason women are enjoying a lot more success in the satire world is they have a lot to say right now. There's, yeah. a, lot of, there's a lot of anger coming forward of there's women being like, of... you know what, yeah. actually, this is not okay, and this is not right, and I have all these pent up thoughts about this and that's making for great comedy like great art sort of arises in time of not that all satire is great art but you know what I mean can be can
0: be I think the really perfect satire articles that are topical are the kind that are they're really funny but they also educate you Mm -hmm. in something you know it it makes you laugh it also makes you think yes Because it shows the hypocrisy and it shows how ridiculous something is.
1: We have found, I have found personally that any time a piece has done well for me. And this, I'm not saying this is necessarily true 100% of the time across the board for everyone. But for me, the pieces that always have the most success um, being shared and Mm -hmm. responded to in a public way are because they're at the intersection of like funny but anger. Um, mm-hmm. and people reaching out and being like that it gave them that extra like yeah you know what that's not right i'm gonna share that yeah and um, the lighter pieces are great and they can do well too but it's usually for me it's been that moment of someone being like oh i feel that way too and that's why they click the share button it's not necessarily because i, I hope it's because they laughed yeah but i don't think it's just because they laughed courtney, i think they uh,
0: courtney it. kokak um she's a i love her I got to meet her. I was in Los Angeles uh, two weeks ago, and I got to meet her, and she's delightful. She
1: writes for Danger and Eggs Um, on uh, Amazon. On
0: Amazon. She's very funny. She's extremely uh,
1: funny and smart.
0: She wrote uh, something for me around the uh, Kavanaugh hearings. And it was so. It was like an anger. It was a rage satire piece mm-hmm. where she had channeled her anger into something that was incredibly constructive. Yep. It wasn't just shouting on the internet. It was. It was doing something very creative and funny and poignant. And it was like it was showing the ridiculousness of someone saying um, not to believe uh, 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 women. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was. It was perfect. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do this because
1: she's really great. Yeah. That's why I love satire in general is because it's it is a harder form, I think, and I'm biased, but I, I think satire is a harder form, but a, a higher, like a greater form of comedy because you have these raw emotions that you have to harness and turn into something and mm-hmm. in t- you know, to try to point out a vice in society, to try to have a singular angle where they can see through your sarcasm or your uh, you know, your uh, hyperbole and see what you're really trying to say. You're really trying to bring justice in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it attracts people that have a strong, like, justice yeah. antenna. Yeah, they want to a- make things right. Yeah,
0: and I try to be a receptive uh, a- editor when someone sends a piece like that, where it's like you can tell that that they have that going on, and they have this sort of constructive rage where it's going to actually inform someone, and and you feel as the editor you want to get this up. As right? soon as possible, you know, I'm like, it, it becomes like my mission to publish their piece because of this uh, this amazing message that they have for the world. And you're like, yes, I'm, I'm going to be part of this. And you're like, you, you try to write back, ASAP, going up, and you yeah. have to rush to your office, of and you have course. to get it up, and then you want to, you know, you, you feel good posting it because you're sharing their, their words. There's
1: no greater crack in the world than writing a piece and having that instant gratification of like a timely piece where it goes up that same day yeah. or like the next day oh that's good it's I try rare to, when I it get up happen. in like the
0: next hour when people jump on it's something really good that,
1: but that's rare because I drop
0: everything and I'm like now, I have to make art for this immediately <laughs> yes
1: exactly not only does that mean the writer has to be able to cogently distill their rage into a constructive funny idea yeah. quickly which is hard to do but it means they have to find the right outlet for it and that editor has to be willing to throw i mean there's a lot of things that have to like fall in place the yeah. right way so it doesn't happen that much but when it happens it's so good yeah
0: i'll be on like the subway and they we kind of have subway uh, sometimes subway signals uh, for the for the cell phones and I'll, I'll get something on like on like one stop it, it's like every stop you get wi-fi and then in between the stops mm-hmm. you get no off. So that I'll like get an email in one stop and then I read it. And I'm like, oh, then I have to like <laughs> write them back. And I'm like, I'm posting this right when I get off the subway.
1: Well the pace of news now is so fast that Ugh. like by the time you get to the next stop, you're like, Ah oh, no, never mind. It's, it's already old. Sorry. We're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> We've like, moved not on. Not really, but kind of. The news
0: cycle is already over for that piece. So Well, we'll get pieces like
1: three or four days later and it's That's I'm weird. sure that in their mind they're like thinking oh i'm still thinking about this and talking about this and it's like by the time we would get it up and people would read it it's out of the news cycle which is crazy that's a crazy fast news cycle and it's
0: It's become a classic piece by then yeah (laughs) i brought up i brought up your article from mcsweeney's can you read any vignette that you like from the book sure yeah now now these are any from the mcsweeney's in the book they're all in the book okay so they are in the book well you pick out one and then you get to read one and then Mm. that can be your awkward story for talk word oh i love it yeah
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is one that has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of likes. Like people really enjoy this. Uh, okay, it's, I get catcalled on the street by a construction worker. He says that he can see I'm smart because I have enormous books. He tells me he's reading the latest Zadie Smith novel. I invite him to join my book club and spend all night fantasizing about his insightful commentary around nonlinear plot structure. <laughs>
0: Uh, you ladies are so smart oh thank you you knew all kinds of big words
1: we <laughs> we had to look them all up I did. <laughs> we were like synonyms for good
0: and um, that's why i like being in uh uh caitlin's book club i'm in uh, your co-author's book club she's amazing and the whole group is amazing she's
1: incredibly well read uh, everybody... her whole apartment is like all oh, the books you wish you had time to yeah. read and we're reading
0: i have Many books in my apartment, and I've read maybe 1% of them. And
1: I don't know when she reads them. She reads constantly, but she's the most driven person. You know, she's always comedy writing. She's teaching. She's writing this book. Yeah. Yeah. And yet
0: she makes time for every everything. It really makes me
1: look bad because I try to use that as my example for why I haven't read things. And she's like, oh, yeah, I read that. And then this and then that other thing.
0: And the book club is so organized uh, where we'll meet and then we'll talk about all these things. And then the next day she'll send this detailed email with links to everything we we talked Mm -hmm. about things where we can read more about a topic. It's so good. It's so wonderful.
1: She is a lovely uh, like administra- administrator in the highest sense. Yeah. Not a, you know not an executive assistant sense, but like she is just has that mind to be like how do we organize this? How do we move it forward? She just keeps us all moving forward. Yeah. Like she's a lot of the reason that the Belladonna works as well as it does. Everyone, like each one of us plays a different Yeah. A different equal part, but she is just so driven that she won't let things fall off the plate. She's not the person that's yeah. like, oh, I wish we had done this. Right. She makes it happen.
0: It's good to have people like that around you. They oh, like, she's just they a dynamo. Of, they just drive everything forward. New erotica for feminists, satirical fantasies of love, lust, and equal pay is in bookstores now. Go pick it up. And you guys are doing a huge book tour uh, of events, I know, and specifically in New York. So people are listening yeah. in New York. Um, you have stuff tonight, tomorrow, and Friday.
1: Tonight, uh, Fiona Taylor is going to be reading at Susan Shapiro's uh, book event in Brooklyn at the Barnes & Noble uh in park slope in park
0: slope on I 7th so. yes yep.
1: correct and then uh tomorrow night we have an event at wild bang which is like uh if you've read the book or the piece the wild feminist t-shirts that are referenced in the the piece I, are, that's where those are from um so we're very excited to partner with them to do an event it's not a reading it's like a book signing and mm-hmm. then a shopping event where they're going to give 20 percent off to people and we're going to have light Light Lacroix snacks. Oh, nice <laughs> Lacroix and pizza because we're very classy. Um, and then Friday we're speaking at Google, uh, which is exciting. <gasps> really? Yeah, we're very fancy. Wow. And uh, so we're speaking at Google during the day, and then in the evening we're going to have our big official book launch mm-hmm. at Books Are Magic in Brooklyn, and that'll be at seven thirty. And then we're going to have like some mingling to follow at sixty one local down the street. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's our that's our big event. Like, come. Come hang out. Everyone come books. hang out. Yeah, come hang out to at one or all of those events. Be and, a groupie. And then Sunday we're going to be in D.C. with Alexandra Petrie from that's the Washington Post, who is,
0: is a, the, another they, hero of mine. Are they interviewing you?
1: Uh, she's going to be in conversation with, because that's okay. very much the, the trendy thing right now, to be in conversation with someone. Which, who better to be in conversation with than her? She's hilarious.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. And uh, this is just beginning. I mean, the book comes out so. and then you do a tour and but you can do book events for as long as this book is out
1: three or four years I heard. you know yeah <laughs> at least is that not how it works <laughs>
0: and it's in so it's 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 in paperback
1: it's in paperback in the US it's in uh, hardcover in the UK oh I
0: saw the the, the yellow book is the, is yes, the UK it's version
1: basically the same book yeah. it has some slightly different there's a few things that, like don't translate where yeah, they'd be like oh we, we don't have, have Target or yeah. we don't have you know like yeah. where you'd have to translate it to like what's your target um which by the way their version of tj max is called tk max
0: that's an odd small change right yeah yeah tk max
1: tk max so things like that or like you can't say a box truck you say a lorry so we went through with a fine-tooth comb for those references and there are more than you would imagine or where they'd go um so we i was very sad because i had written a lot of this one but there was a one that got cut from the book that we will be reading at some events that was um a very private tour of paul newman's salad dressing factory where it's just the ghost of paul newman (laughs) who doesn't love paul newman
0: everyone likes paul Newman. everyone
1: loves paul newman uh and so uh that got cut from the book because they were like we don't understand this because we don't have paul newman salad dressing
0: what a horrible thing and i
1: was like that's awful for yeah,
0: you're like I see a problem here. We need. I to mean, get they Paul knew Newman who he was as an actor,
1: but yeah. they were just like, "Does he make salad dressing?" And we're like, "Yes." Uh, it all goes to charity. It's amazing. Yes. His
0: popcorn is also very. Cool.
1: I know. So at a, at any rate, they didn't get our references to like, <sighs> you know, passion next to the Sacheruni sauce. So Those must be
0: very interesting email exchanges.
1: Oh, inc- we've sent some really amazing emails back and forth where you're like, I never thought I would email these words yeah. to another professional person. Yeah. And yet here we are Yeah, where they're like, mm, I'm not sure that's like the term here for like <laughs> whatever it is. But yeah, so it's been incredible. But th- we've had a really great team on both sides of the pond who really believe in this. And we've had an incredible response from our belladonna community from our second city community yeah. from our satire. i just feel like the satire writing community We're so
0: happy for you is
1: everyone is so happy for yeah. each other like when someone I'm so excited but that's another reason i love satire yeah. because it's like someone does well and everyone comes around and is like giving them high fives yeah. and being like you did it instead yeah. of like that was my opportunity should have been me should have been me yeah i feel yeah, like we all lift each other up yeah
0: so. totally Thank you um, so much for you're so for having
1: me here and for all your support of this book.
0: Oh, of course! So pick up this book; it's a great. I mean, this is a great gift book. Um, it's a great, very book good to holiday read. book. It's a great gift book. You can you can give it for Hanukkah and Christmas and Kwanzaa all the things. and and if you're you know New Year's gifts, do people give New Year's gifts? I don't know. They this should. would be a great thing. Um, everyone's going to be you know with Thanksgiving and they're going to be with their families and they don't know what to talk about because everybody. Uh, uh, hates their families so this is a great book to bring everyone together they can just read from this book at the dinner table around the thanksgiving it turkey. will make your
1: conservative fathers so upset
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and,
1: and it will give you so much to talk about or they'll just quietly go away and turn on fox news and then you can just can go hang out
0: wouldn't that be you should get you should get uh, the people on the fox and friends to profile this book <laughs> Maybe they would.
1: I don't think it would go the way we would hope. Yeah, probably. How, we did, however, do a show where someone uh, had the suggestion that people should send it, like they should buy a copy and mail it to their worst senator. And I think that's great. Like, that I would, would be love great. for like Ted Cruz to get 100 copies of this and be like, damn it. What is this? I hate this.
0: Pence. Pence would love this.
1: There's two Pences now. Greg Pence, his brother, <sighs> his whiter, worse brother, somehow oh, yeah. got elected <laughs> to the House of Representatives. Oh, God. What
0: we need now is more Pence. We need more Pence.
1: So, like, I don't know how that's going to go, but...
0: You should have had... One of these can be... The next time can be written... Uh, a vignette can be written by Pence's wife. <laughs> Could be very specific to Pence. I, I
1: had lunch with a man today. <laughs> <laughs> no! It was everything I'd hoped. <laughs> <laughs> we had soup.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Brooke Preston, everybody. I can't say. Follow, follow Brooke um, at her amazing Twitter handle, at Big U, which... I just learned is not how you say her Twitter handle.
1: No, you say it, B-Goo. B-Goo. Yeah, B-Goo. So like B-Goo. Bigu. Bigu. Yeah, Bigu. So it's Bigu.
0: B i g u is mm-hmm. her Twitter handle. Everybody, it's only yeah. four characters.
1: I know, which is why I'll never get rid of it. It's amazing. I I sadly did not realize Twitter's full potential when I joined the site in two thousand eight, <laughs> and uh, just was like, "This will be a fun thing to try for four weeks, yeah, and then move on." And so, I can't let go of the four letter handle. It's so great. Love it. But it is like a it's a silly nickname my husband and I have for each other because like what it basically is shorthand for is like when you are with your person and you have like like that culture of two where mm-hmm. there's like there's only two people that are the same kind of weird and you mm-hmm. find the person that's like your brand of weird so that's what we're like we're bigu's so that's what we are is like and I don't know it came from some long lost conversation that we don't know the origin of anymore so we don't know what it that was or <laughs> well but that part of it has stayed with us and so we call each other bigu.
0: So that's the story behind the Twitter handle. Yeah. So no one will ever forget your Twitter handle, even though to remember it, I say Big U just because it's everyone. does. That's
1: what everyone... I assume that everyone thinks I'm posturing. There (laughs) there is a rapper, a street rapper named... I think his is like Big U1. Oh, no. And so occasionally I get like...
0: Added? Yeah. I get like the,
1: the... errant yeah. mention from like rick ross who's like shout out to my homie and i'm like oh it's me and you're like thank you i i just want to send a selfie back of like yeah i want to send a selfie back of like me in my kitchen in ohio that's like love you <laughs> like we're homies <laughs>
0: like i was just cleaning up yeah exactly like
1: i'm a, i'm volunteering at my daughter's kindergarten <laughs> so yeah uh, but i would hang out with them sure i think i would make a great if addition. you're ever
0: in Athens, Ohio. Yeah, Well, I live in Columbus I'm now. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, I'll come to Athens. You'll come to Athens. I love Athens. It's only a couple hours away. But yeah, if you're ever in Columbus, Ohio, come hang out
0: um so pick up this book um what's the website for the book is it new erotica new for, erotica for com?
1: Com. you has links to buy there's a uh, handy book club kit that you can download for free <gasps> Neat. to make it easy to make it your book club pick with like discussion questions mm-hmm. and recipes and games to play and uh lots of you know fun things like that
0: so definitely go to new Erotica for um, buy
1: it, request it at your local library. Um, if your local bookseller doesn't have it, please request it, because that's really helpful that they can see that people want it.
0: And can you buy this for digital?
1: Yes, we have a, an e-reader version, and there's an audiobook version. There's uh,
0: a narration of all yes, of these vignettes.
1: This woman that did it is incredible. Her name is Sanila Nankani. I really hope I pronounced that correct. She's a professional audiobook yeah. Narrator: She did Giselle's book. No big deal. Hello. So basically, we're Giselle, is what I'm saying, <laughs> and she uh, just it had just the right pitch, perfect voice for it, and loved it, and loved what we were doing. So yeah, there's an audio book. <laughs> You're like, and,
0: oh, this book is hot. Did I write this? Book? I know. I was like,
1: woo. I was like, turns out this is a good book. <laughs> Uh, but no she was amazing and she just hit it just right to make it like sexy and funny and warm and so um I even if you buy the print book I totally think the audiobook is worth the additional yeah. it's it's a thin book it's it's not a huge investment it's not like Get you're, the
0: audiobook Get or, them both uh, Join Audible for the free month or whatever the heck Look, they can I do Look I love Michelle Obama as yeah. much as the
1: next person she's going to sell her books Yeah I'll let, we, <laughs> She's yeah. all set. She's fine. She's going to do fine. We need our books. Listen we need our to, books. So.
0: Uh, yeah, listen to this on the book, on the, uh, on the Audible. New Erotica for Feminists, Satirical Fantasies of Love, Law, Lust, and Equal Pay by Caitlin Kunkel, Brooke Preston, Fiona Taylor, and Carrie Whitmer in bookstores now. Mm. Thanks for being on the big show.
1: This is amazing. Thank you. It's so nice to finally meet you. It's so great to meet
0: you. Um, follow uh, Brooke Preston at uh, Bigu. Uh, big it's, it's big It's spelled big-u. I'm Marty Dunnicks. Follow me at Marty Dundix and uh, follow Weekly Humorous at Weekly Humorous. Sign up for our weekly e-newsletter at WeeklyHumorous.com. Buy digital issues um, at uh, WeeklyHumorous.com. Um, and get the Android or uh, Apple, uh, Apple iTunes app in the Android or Apple iTunes app stores. Just look up Weekly Humorous for weekly digital issues. Um, thanks for listening. This is Talk Word, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, bro. For- you're so nice. You're the best. Oh.